you are listening to Surviving the Golden Age, the podcast. I am your host, Adam Tersiak Morgan. In Major League Baseball right now, it's the All-Star break, which, as a baseball fan, makes me feel like it's about the middle of the year. Although I know it's not technically the middle of the year, we as Surviving the Golden Age are going to have a little All-Star break of our own. Uh, today on the show, I have uh, Surviving the Golden Age writer, Andy Mascola, and we're going to discuss our five favorite albums of the year so far. So I figure we'll just go back and forth with it. You know, you give me one of your favorites, I'll give you one of my favorites. Uh, since you are the guest on this podcast, I'll let you go first. Is there any um, album that in particular stands out to you as maybe like your number one of the year so far? for the year so far i don't know if i you know I'm, I'm sure it'll change and when i gave you my list of the the five uh they were the ones i'd been listening to the most and looking at the list um i I'd, I'd say the the album that i've listened to more than any other and it may just be because it's so motivational and i go to the gym every single day and i'll i'll put this andrew wk's you're not alone on and that'll that'll Push. I think it it would push just about anybody through a through <laughs> through a workout. It's very very uh, um, inspiring, and uh, obviously, he's uh, all about positivity and energy. And I I I'd say uh, I've returned to it again and again. But again, I think in part it's it's mostly because uh, I use it uh, as a motivation at the <laughs> at the gym more than anything. You know, but uh, but I do I do uh, I do love it, and I I think it's. Uh, it was a long wait in between albums for that fellow, but uh, I was thinking about that the other day. I was like, wow, nine years. My goodness. I think it, that's what it was. I think it was nine years, but it's a doozy. What was your relationship with like Andrew WK's music before this album? Well, before this album, I, I'd, um, I was, when I was out of work, I think it was uh, uh, late 2009, after, you know, the, the crash, I think in 2008, I got laid off. And I'd bought um, the I Get Wet album, which was uh, his debut LP. And I'd, I'd initially bought it for a friend of mine who told me that she was really into Andrew W.K. And, uh, and, and when I bought the album, I said, hey, I, I got that Andrew W.K. album. I'm, gonna, I'm going to leave it in your mailbox. And she said, don't bother. I don't want it. And I said, okay, uh, I thought you'd said that you were really into him. She said, yeah, but I don't want the CD. Don't give me a CD. For whatever reason, she 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 completely pushed pushed it away. Uh, and I said, okay. So it kind of sat on my shelf. And then when I was uh, found myself out of work, I just said, all right, well, if she's, she doesn't want this album, maybe I should give it a spin. And of course, uh, uh, again, uh, to go back to the motivation and positivity, and if you know anything about Andrew W.K., he's all about... Uh, um, positivity and, and of course partying uh which is, seems to be his mantra uh and that first i get wet album um was all about picking yourself up when you're down and uh, um you know keep keep on going and uh, um you know and party 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 obviously but uh, i think that was that was my introduction to to him in album form and from then on i kind of said well this guy helped me out of you know or kept my spirits up at this tough time in my life uh, he, he, he's, uh, why, why not keep him around, uh, uh, going forward, you know? And, uh, I was really looking forward to the You're Not Alone album. Um, and I had high hopes for it. And, uh, I feel like, uh, I feel like it definitely paid off. And I think not only did he 
um, bring back his, uh, you know, the the styles and the the his his you know positive formula. But I think he he actually, and I, I mentioned this in my review. I think he improved on it, where he it it feels much more modern. It feels like he's speaking to uh, a new generation, and and uh, I really enjoy it. Yeah, I mean, I was a huge fan of um, the I Get Wet album uh, when it first came out. Um, and then I, I think I was in high school at that point, and I bought the his follow-up to that, The Wolf, in high school as well. And then I kind of like um, lost track of him a little bit, and some of that's just because it was so long in between albums after that, but... You know, coming back to this album, I definitely thought that it was a good, like, return to kind of his classic sound. But, you know, unlike you, I kind of, I almost find, like, the the party and positive mantra, like, almost, like, too heavy-handed for me. Um, the, you know, there's, like, this, uh, like, if you listen to, like, I Get Wet, you still have, like, you know, you better get ready to die or something, you know, something that doesn't, isn't, like, you know, you don't, like, get, like, smacked in the face with the positivity, but, like, it seems like this entire, the entire album is just very, like, you know, just so positive and party-centric that it, it almost, it, it got, like, a little bit repetitive for me, like, on that level. I can absolutely understand that. Um, but otherwise, sure. I mean, like, I'm, I'm happy that he returned to that sound, though, because, I mean, you know, that is sort of, um, definitely like a for me like as a teenager he was definitely a big you know so let's see so to counter your andrew wk i'm gonna go with um well let me just talk about what my number one is then my number one um is speedy ortiz their album twerp verse um and I have been a fan of Speedy Ortiz for a while. You know, I know we're both New England guys. So, you know, being in New England, they're a Massachusetts band. Um, and I got to see them and, you know, hear them a bunch before Twerp First. And then Twerp First, for me, it's their most accessible album, I feel like. You know, the guitars are still very angular. Um, lead singer and lyricist Sadie Dupuis still kind of uh, follows the you know, guitars, odd melodies with her voice, and it, it creates a really, like, interesting effect. But I think what is maybe more apparent on this album is the her, like, lyrics, I think, have gotten a little bit more... I don't want to use accessible again, but maybe, like, a little bit more, like, blunt. Like, she is now being a little bit more forward rather than before, where I think, you know, sometimes the meanings could be a little murky or lost or whatever. And now um, the song specifically Villains, which I know I put on our, you know, best of 2018 playlist, um, is, you know, this really uh, explicit song about a sexual assault from a fellow bus rider. And so the lyrics are just very, are very personal and uh I read an interview with her where she said, you know, she wasn't even sure if she wanted to, like, put out the song. She didn't know if she wanted her, like, friends and family to, like, know this about her, you know, then see her as, like, a sexual assault victim. But I think that, you know, that song in particular, you get this, like, um, almost a new depth 
of you know what she's capable of writing about and how she's capable of writing it in a um I don't in like a storytelling sense but also in a sense that really like you know it's an actual song it's not just you know a couple of verses that you know string together a narrative it's a it's a song with a catchy chorus and everything yeah i'm 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 really glad you introduced me uh to this album i i you know I, I, as you'd mentioned i am also from new england and i've i'm familiar with speedy ortiz and i'd listen to speedy ortiz on occasion whenever i'd see a a single pop up uh, as a link on social media uh from their past releases and uh, or and I also remember them um, uh, being uh, you know awarded uh, for for certain things regarding Boston Boston bands for like single of the year I think or something like that and I'd I'd obviously when I'd see something like that I'd say oh this means that uh, I should probably check it out and I've 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 liked uh, Speedy Ortiz but I don't know if I would have checked out Twerp Verse had you not hipped me to it yeah and I mean I I just think like. You know, speaking of our, you know, playlist for, you know, some of our best tracks of 2018, I think that, you know, I've put two songs on there so far, Villains and Lean When I Suffer. Um, and I, you know, re-listened to the album today in preparation for, you know, doing this. And I was like, oh, there's like, you know, two or three more songs that I feel like I could put on there that, I, you know, I love yes. just as much. I'm not sure so, if I put it on there, Adam, and, but uh, Lucky 88 really got me. Yeah, that was one of the songs that I heard today, and I was like, I was like, oh man, I should that, put this on. That grabbed me immediately, so. as well as "Can I Kiss You" and "Buck Me Off." I liked both of those tracks, and I think yeah. they've got such a Boston-centric sound. And I don't know if you know what I mean by that, but it's kind of like that stutter step rhythm that's similar to like late '80s, mm -hmm. early '90s Boston acts like Tribe and and Pixies. I remember. Um, I remember my friends uh, uh, and I talking about it and how it was it was Boston this Boston rock sound really came into its own uh, during those years you know where they, they there's kind of like that um I don't again I don't know how to describe it but it's almost like a like a stutter in 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 the rhythm you know what I mean mm -hmm. Yeah no I I agree and I think I think the you're right I mean the Pixies I think do have a lot of influence on them. And I think um, maybe a band like Dinosaur Jr. probably also has some influence on them. Um, but also, you know, other like indie rock mainstays like Pavement or uh, maybe Dismemberment Plan sure. or something like that. They're you know, definitely carrying also. on a, they're definitely carrying on a tradition. I also think, and, and I, I hadn't noticed this uh, in the past when I'd heard, um, when, when I'd heard Speedy Ortiz, but I, I, I noticed it this time around in, in spending time with uh, Twerp first that that Sadie Dupuis sounds an awful lot like Liz Fair at times. Did you did you pick up on that at all? Or you know I have I have thought that before, and I believe now they're actually going on tour with Liz Fair for um, a little bit of Liz Fair's upcoming tour. So that's actually that's kind of interesting. Fun. You made that connection, and now I, I think they're I can tour understand together. how how uh, fans of of one one artist would definitely be fans of the other in this case, um, you know. And and I can't yeah. say I a full length release, but uh, I I am a, I am a fan of hers as well for sure. That would be a great bill to see for sure. Those two acts, yeah. 
Um, all right. So what do you have as sort of your number? Well, my two? number two, I, I, I think is, is, you know, I, 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 uh, I think it's czar face meets metal face. I, I, I couldn't get enough of this and I still can't get enough of it. I love it. And, uh, it, it, I don't know if you, how much of it, I know you're a hip hop fan to an extent. Uh, and, um, but for me, this really took me back to like the boom bap style of, of hip hop that I kind of grew up with you know, in my first introduction to hip hop. And I, I love the playfulness of this album. I, I love the fact that there's, you know, obviously it's, it's based around characters. You've got this Zarface character and the Zarface um, collective is made up of Inspector Deck from Wu-Tang Clan, as well as two Boston guys of all people, 7L and Esoteric. And, uh, and of course, uh, most folks who, who know anything, if you know anything about underground rap, you know about uh, MF Doom. And so he's there as the as the other side. So you've got the Zarface character and the MF Doom character. And this album had sketches on it um, that were goofy as all heck. But it was like, you know, they were just so much fun. And there wasn't a whole lot of talk about, you know, um, violence. It was just more like um, um, basically guys uh, flexing and flossing and, and just, uh, you know, basically um, getting a... Um, getting uh, comic book references in every which way. I think most of that came from Esoteric, who sounds a lot like Jay-Z, strangely enough, of all people, for a Caucasian guy from Southie. You know, I mean, you think like, what? <laughs> but I remember my friend and I listening to the album. This is another one that, that a friend had introduced me to um, a couple months back when it first came out. And uh, he said, we were listening to it together. He's like, which one of the answers? Because there's obviously revolving... Uh, around the, 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 the three guys inspected deck, uh, esoteric and metal face doom. Um, he said, he said, which, who, who is this guy that sounds like Jay Z? And I said, hang on, let me check. And of course it, it turned out to be, um, it turned out to be uh, esoteric from Boston. And I was just blown away. Now I can't hear the album the same at all. You know, every time I hear it, I picture him. It's just so <laughs> awkward, but, um, because I, uh, obviously it sounds a lot uh, at times like Jay Z, uh, his, his, uh, but it's just, just, it's not, um, it's not him putting on, uh, an impersonation or, or trying to, um, um, imitate, uh, Jay-Z at all. His, his rhymes are completely original and his style is obviously his own and it's just happens to be the way he sounds and, and his flow. But, uh, I really enjoy it. And I just think more of the aspect that, you know, obviously hip hop in, in 2018 is, is completely different than hip hop in, in, in 19, you know, 91, but, um, and, but something about this um, really, uh, again, I think uh, captured the uh, the fun of of, of hip hop, and I, I really felt like wow, any any young kid that that would pick this thing up because you know obviously it's got these cartoon looking characters on the front of it, um, you know any any kid that's into rap would it would just you know I, I could imagine being like a, a fifteen year old boy uh, finding this and this being my introduction to what hip hop is and it would just I, I'd fall in love with it immediately it's got it's got everything that that uh, that a kid um, into comic books and superheroes would you know would just just and music would would really you know be attracted to right away so did you did you get a chance to listen to this Starface meets Metalface album at all. Yeah, I would actually say that of the albums that at least the list that you sent me, um, that that album was probably the closest one to being on mm -hmm. my list as well. Um, you know, I'm a, I've always been a big MF Doom fan, and uh, the the fact that he managed to find you know Zarface and you know find almost like kindred spirits in 
the um, the amount of like non sequiturs and just references that you know um, they managed to build up is kind of amazing because you know most of the time MF Doom is very um, you know he's unparalleled like even if you listen to like the Danger Doom album he did with you know yes Danger Mouse. Yes. He, you know, like the the guests all have this very, uh, you know, their flows make sense and have kind of a linear quality to them. And then, you know, MF Doom comes with his flow and, you know, it's just a smattering of different references that sometimes, you know, make sense together. But most of the time don't really. It's just just him, as you said, you know, flossing. And it's it's uh, it's amazing that he managed to find, you know, two other people that really can like keep up with him. Yeah, on I that agree. Level. I agree. And uh, yeah, I mean, I, I, love I think it works album. really well. I think it's it, it's a it's definitely um, one that uh, I've continued to listen to since since uh, initially hearing it. And I felt I feel like uh, my my affection for it has only grown, you know, as as uh, things begin to stand out as far as lyrics are concerned or um, uh, moments uh, uh, listening to the album from beginning to end where I just um, I anticipate um, parts now, you know, and I, I really enjoy it. It's, it's just it's just a fun, fun record. And it's um, again, I think I think um, uh, the fact that I'm enjoying it at this point in my life uh, tells me that. Uh, a younger person, again, just uh, finding hip hop or discovering um, discovering underground hip hop, would uh, would I imagine be bowled over by something uh, as uh, something like this, where it's it's just a, it's a lot of fun. And and uh, again, there's you know there's a, there's some some adult material, but it's kept to to a minimum where it's not um, o- overly sexual at all and or um, overly violent. It's really it's kind of right you know right right there where it's it's meant to be uh, found by that kind of uh middle schooler or even like you know um <laughs> a teen a teenager like 15 16 year old person would find it and and uh, hopefully embrace yeah. embrace the entire package now you describing that album i think the kindred spirit on my list would be the mr moto and ugly mac beer album uh nighttime stories Mr. Moto and Ugly Mac Beer are, you know, two uh, French hip-hop producers. And, um, you know, it's a short album, which is something that I think, you know, hip-hop needs more of at this point. I know Kanye just put out his, you know, series of six albums, and they were all kind of like seven songs, uh, you know, ten songs maybe. But this album, you know, uh, is better than all of those, frankly. But it, it... has the same qualities that you were talking about. It has the you know classic boom bap production. It has a lot of playfulness to it. The first song on the album, "Ghost of the Ghetto," is sort of the one that I gravitated towards the most. And it's you know it's this tale about you know a man who gets shot at a barber shop and then he you know comes back as a ghost essentially to kind of. Um, avenge his death with his enemies and stuff and it's uh it's definitely kind of a violent song but it's also it's also playful i think there's i think it's you know kind of insouciant actually there's you know also songs like the black hood which uh features guilty simpson and that song you know is is about a black superhero essentially that you know kind of goes around fighting crime and stuff and I just think it has a lot of that kind of same like comic book imagery, but also, like ghost story imagery, and with, you know the classic production, and it 
I just think, you know, overall, it's a, it was kind of a breath of fresh air from some of, like, the, you know, 22-song hip-hop albums that, you know, have had been coming out, especially earlier in the year, that were, you know, gaining acclaim, where it felt really hard to get through them, period, you know? And this one, you know, very short album, and uh, just right to the point, and pretty much all quality from what I could I, I love the packaging. It looks like an old EC comics, like the old horror comics before the old mm-hmm. um, comic code came into play and they started to, you know, um, you know, in, in put rules on comic books as far as content is concerned. But uh, I love the idea that you can buy this thing in the physical form and uh, break out a box of Crayolas and, you know, have a blast with it. You know, I don't know how many folks will do that. You mm-hmm. know, I think a lot of people are, <laughs> are collectors these days and they're afraid to, to uh, you know, damage uh, uh, any kind of, um, you know, physical uh, reproduction of music. But but it, it's still it's still there. I think it, the, the problem I had with, with this was that it's a bit deceptive. There, there are seven tracks, but two of them are under a minute long in, interstitials. You know what I mean, um, and and yeah. I, I suppose you know you, you, you sure you can call it an EP. That's true, but if I, I suppose if if you're you're in a store and you're looking at it, uh, you're you're not getting as as much bang for your buck as as is um, as is uh, uh, promised. Uh, looking at a track list, you know, I I say well, well you know it's mm-hmm. I said well to myself it's it's kind of deceptive to 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 the the buyer I suppose to see two of these tracks and and they're again they're just interstitial moments that that uh, don't last long at all. But, but I, you know, it's definitely original. And the fact that these, these fellows are from, from Paris, France of all place, uh, of all places was, uh, uh, makes it obviously something uh, of a, a curiosity at, at, at the very least. Hmm. Um, all right. So what do you got next on your list? Well, I wanted to talk about Caroline Rose's album, Loner. Oh my God. I love this. I love this album. I don't know if you had heard Caroline Rose previously. I think, I think I might have seen her uh, perform. I I don't know if it was if it was on Conan. Uh, it may have been on um, maybe maybe on Jimmy Kimmel. I'm not sure. I don't usually watch Jimmy Kimmel, but I think I may have just um, may have just uh, tuned in, or, or maybe I even heard her on WFMU. That's really possible. I remember somebody playing two of her tracks back to back, and I liked them both enough to seek out this album Loner, which is her second album. Uh, and she, she, she's, she's got a great sense of humor as is evident. If you've seen the cover, she's got a mouthful of cigarettes and she's ready to light it and the, 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 uh, light them rather. And the, uh, the inside, uh, photos that are included are all equally just, just fun and comical. She, and their videos, she's done videos for most of the songs on the album and they're all, they all, uh, they're all, uh, have a, have a great sense of humor. She's obviously a, a very charismatic person and has a great personality and a flair for, um, for, you know, uh, show, uh, sh- show business. And, and I, I, I kind of thought of her in the way I described her to folks, uh, when I first heard, her. I said, she's kind of, I guess in, in, as a personality, I, I, I kind of put her, um, I, I kind of compared it to early Beck where Beck seemed to have that kind of freewheeling and fun, um, feeling to everything he did, not necessarily her music per se, but, um, but, uh, definitely her attitude and her, um, her her appearance where she she has this this uh, this red Adidas tracksuit that she seems to wear all the times and any time I've ever seen her in a photo or 
uh, uh, in a performance. Of, I mean, other than the music videos where she kind of puts on different costumes, she's in this red Adidas tracksuit. And the album Loner is just so good. It's so much fun from moment to moment. It's 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 great lyrics, uh, great music. I guess her first album was. Um, and I haven't sought it out. I haven't backtracked because I'm still kind of stuck on on Loner. But I guess it it, it was described as um, rockabilly. And 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 for for me, there's there's very few moments on Loner that would ever suggest because when when I don't know about you, but when I think about rockabilly, I think about like a ding diddle ding 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 kind of guitar, you know, uh, uh, <laughs> yeah. and a certain singing style, you know. But uh, there's nothing that would su- there are very few moments that would suggest that on Loner. So. Um, but I, I, I'm kind of curious. I, I may at some point eventually backtrack and check out her first album, although I'm not necessarily a huge uh, rockabilly fan. But uh, I, 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 through Loner, I've become a fan of Caroline Rose, and I, I really uh, dig this album a lot. Yeah, you know, um, this album, I had heard maybe, like, whatever the lead single kind of was on the album, I had heard that, but I had not sought out the entire album and um you know because it was on the list i checked it out and i i really liked it um i was really impressed with it i especially like the um organ sound sure that she gets like her you know that sound is it's a very like kind of classic um I'm trying to think it's it's almost it's almost like loungy yes almost like it but it it you know it works really well and i think that that uh that kind of vintage organ sound is just it's great and i love the stuff that she does with it i think about like maybe half the tracks on the album really kind of feature it and um you know and i think the other half are pretty great too so i mean overall i really enjoyed she's got a, she's got this vocal style that's where she's she's got a slightly raspy voice and and she seems to be able to go from manic like excitement uh, back down to to uh, uh, you know placid tranquility at like the drop of a hat. And you know she's not afraid to. I think there's mm-hmm. moments uh, that, that I'm I'm thinking about now on the album where she'll uh, make herself out of breath or go up into a high squeal. But uh, I, again, it's all done at, or or you know these these moments are, occur at times when it's just you know you know um, just to to inject a little bit of excitement or. Um, and uh, you know, jovialness to the to the moment. I think that's what she she that's really her strength. You know, she's just a, a fun yeah. personality, and she's making a she made a really fun album. I like Loner a lot. So I think the one from my list that maybe best pairs with that is the Parquet Courts album Wide Awake. Um, and the reason I say that is because I think that it might be the most varied album on my list as far as styles go. You know, they seem to mix elements of like punk and post-punk and, you know, then there are oddly enough songs that are, you know, funk and even like 60s pop songs. And it really kind of shows this great range that Parquet Courts has in a way that maybe like their previous albums I thought were all good. I think you were a fan of their um, Human Performance album, weren't you? wouldn't say a fan i i i I, oh, okay. I i was actually i was hesitant to even put on wide awake if only uh, partially because of of my feelings about human performance where i i'd had i i think you might think that because i knew it was coming down the pipe and i i i loved um uh sun i think it's called sunbathing animal 
the one before that. I'm just leaning <laughs> over here. I'm just taking a look at my my, yeah. my rack of music here. I'm pretty I'm pretty sure it's called the the one prior to that was called Sunbathing Animal, and I really loved that album. And I'd had high high hopes for human performance, and I remember requesting it. But I was it was a bit of a letdown for me to be honest with you. There were moments on it that were okay, but but it, after human performance, I'd I'd had no desire to seek out Wide Awake. I think in part because and and I'll be honest, this is this tainted my 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 feeling for the for it uh, from the jump was that the cover art I thought was goofy. Oh yeah, it's, it's really. <laughs> I know it's such a strange thing to say. It's it's very goofy, but this is another one, Adam, that I'm glad you hipped me to because I ended up really liking a lot of this album. Yeah, and uh, I I'd say for this, it, it's definitely an evolution for that band, and it, you know, and I think I think you know, um, say what you will about about Danger Mouse, I think he he produced it right, yeah. and I think he really brought out brought out the best in those guys. And had them really shake it up. I think you know th- there were so many comparisons to to pavement previously, especially with with sunbathing animal. Mm. At least, at least in the, the stuff I'd read and and in, in talking to folks who were who were fans of parquet courts, uh, people would inevitably say, "Well, if you like pavement, you like parquet courts." Um, but uh, but I think they're gone. You know, it, with Wide Awake, I think they've obliterated that. I think they've 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 uh, really shown that they they have much more range and a, a definite sense of humor. Yeah, and uh, I like I liked it a lot more than Human Performance, and I appreciate that you'd uh, included it on your list as it gave me an opportunity to listen to it. And it's it's definitely brought me back into the uh, to the uh, uh, Parquet Courts a uh, a uh, uh, fan fold, I suppose you'd say. Where I'll definitely I I won't. Uh, I, I, you know, I'll, I'll definitely look forward to what they come up with next. I, I won't shy away from, regardless of the cover art. <laughs> <laughs> you know, but the thing about Parquet Courts is that, you know, I think that a lot of people do think of them as kind of a goofy-er band, just because, you know, I think their first, like, the first real song that people kind of took notice of was the Stoned and Starving song. And then, you know, they they kind of have a certain amount of, like, playfulness to them. And, I mean, sure, that shows up in this album, you know, Total Football ends with, you know, them screaming, fuck Tom Brady. And so, I mean, there's definitely, like, elements of levity, but I was actually really surprised at how um, socially conscious the album was, you know? Like, um, especially the song, like, Violence, which is really talking about, like, how we've become desensitized to violence. And there's, you know, I I think that they do it in a sense that's not heavy-handed in any way, but it's it's still there, which I think is really um, interesting for them, that they managed to kind of keep um, an almost airy nature about themselves, but still they're, you know, actually talking about issues on this album, I found. In reading more about about uh, Wide Awake, I, I learned that it, it, it was about um, Savage's mom, I suppose. I, I believe if that if that if that's yeah. maybe I'm maybe I'm wrong about that, but uh, if if I'm remembering correctly, uh, I I remember initially thinking Freebird Two was was uh, kind of humorous, but it had a much more serious tone. I think I think uh, um, the lead singer I think his name is Andrew Savage. Yeah, uh, his mother had had issues with with addiction and homelessness, and he was a. Uh, that was expressed uh, within that song, and like you'd mentioned, and and again, this is something that I'd hadn't picked up on initially, but only in in reading more about Wide Awake, that um, that yeah, these guys these these guys have a social conscience, and and they've obviously um, managed to to work that into to the lyrics. Yeah, and I mean, I was um, just surprised by it because I didn't really think of them that way 
on previous albums. And then with this one, just to kind of, you know, start to hear it. And I think I was like you, like I, I sort of heard violence and I thought like, they actually sound like they're like talking about something here, like, you know, something kind of important. And I, you know, read more about, you know, their album and I kind of started getting like, this is actually like a really kind of like a more statementy album than maybe their other albums have been. Um, and so I just, you know, I ended up really liking it. Very cool. So what, uh, what do you have next on your list? Well, Adam, uh, for better or for worse, uh, I know it's a polarizing, polarizing uh, album, uh, and I'm not sure how you feel about it, but I, I, I need to talk about Jack White and Boarding House Reach for sure. I, I, I understand. I understand. It's a, it's, it's a bit daunting for sure. And, and he's, he's trying some things here he hasn't done in the past, but uh, I'm, I'm, I'm convinced that that time will vindicate this album, that, that ultimately it'll be looked back upon as, as a, an album that, uh, while polarizing uh, on its initial debut, that, that uh, is actually quite, it, uh, it'll, be, it'll be considered a, a very strong part of Jack White's discography. I, I really enjoy it. And I, I know that again, um, and even I have problems myself breaking through. Those first couple songs are rough, but I think once you get to Corporation, um, it's uh, it's 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 a it's a downhill run from there, and it, it's uh, and it's a, a really really enjoyable album, albeit very uh, odd and quirky at times for sure. But I like that, you know. Um, I really think uh, I think he tried a lot of different things on this one, but I think for the most part it, it works. It's it's really funny that you say that because I actually thought the most accessible song on the album was that first song. Um, really? Yeah, and the name is slipping my mind, but it has that kind of like gospel chorus kind of yes, thing to it, it and it's, everything. Um, connected by love, I think it's yeah, called. Yeah, connected by love, and I actually I thought that that song was maybe like, I mean, it was the high point of the album for me, and I sort of felt like as the album went on, it it kind of devolved more and more. I mean, I know that you do have that love for um, the song Corporation, but to me, it it sounds like an Edgar Winters band B-side or something, like that an Edgar Winters <laughs> fan would, would hear and be like, I can see why that didn't make an album, but it was interesting to listen to. And I, mm-hmm. I just, I end up feeling that way about a lot of this album. Like, it just seems like, like, you're right. It seems like he's being very experimental and trying different things, but I just find that, like, it sounds like he couldn't decide exactly what he wanted to do. And it just ended up being like, well, I've recorded these. So let me just, let me throw them out there. <laughs> yeah. And I, and so, I mean, I know people have gone, uh, I've, you know, read reviews that say that it's great. And I've read reviews that say that it's terrible. So, I mean, it's, I don't think it's a big surprise that we don't agree on that one, but. For sure. I didn't expect you to. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I know I have my own, uh, you know, history of thoughts about um, Jack White in general anyways, but, but this one in particular, I was just, I, I just, I couldn't find, um, like enough footholds in the album to really keep me interested. You know, sure. I, I, I will can, tell I can you, absolutely understand that. I, li- yeah. I did, I did listen to it all the way through. I made it through at least once, but, um, <laughs> But yeah, when when you sent me that list, I mean that was by far the one that I was I was least looking forward to listening yeah, to. Yeah, I knew. You know what I I uh, you know, and I I said this when it came out, uh, because I, like as you'd mentioned, I'd see reviews just where reviewers were just hating on it, 
And then I'd see reviewers, like these glowing reviews of it. And it just made me so happy. I said, this is why music is so great. I mean, everything, you know, we live in an age where, where uh, an album will quote unquote drop and it'll be like you, 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 you'll find it everywhere. You know what I mean? It's, it, it'll be uh, on your social media. It'll be streaming via Spotify. It'll be here. It'll be, there. it'll be in your, 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 you know, if you have a record, if you're lucky to still uh, live near a record store, it'll be in a record store. But when an album comes out and it's that polarizing that, that, that there's these two, it's either people either really seem to love it or they hate it. It, it, even if I hate it, it's to me, that's, that's exciting. That's the exciting thing about art and about music, you know, that uh, we can have these different opinions about it and that, that can still happen. Even films, you know, films are similar where these films will be ultimately polarizing. It's just, it's very exciting to me for whatever reason. I think just this, that people can hear the same thing and have completely different takes on it. You know, and I, I don't remember that happening with a lot of albums, like even like thinking back to like last year when like, you know, albums that were released. But I feel like this year that was really true of the Jack White album and it was really true of the new Arctic Monkeys album. Yes, that's a perfect example. Yes. Which is actually it was an album that like just narrowly missed my list was that Arctic Monkeys album. I am um, I'm a fan of it. I think, you know, it's indulgent. It sounds like. David Bowie singing lounge music a lot of the time, but like there's something about it that just really kind of like sucked me into that one. Um, so they're sort of, you know, what people are calling self-indulgence. I, I, I uh, hopped on with, but uh, Jack White's for some reason just didn't happen. I, I, you know, I, 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 um, I like that you brought up that Arctic monkeys albums album rather because, and you're absolutely right that was another one that was absolutely polarizing when it came out. And it was just fascinating to watch both um, fans and, and, and uh, you know, diehard fans and uh, casual listeners, you know, getting, getting, you know, really excited in both directions for that yeah. album, you know? And I think, I think it actually like trended on Twitter and there was an article about it that pieced together all these individual um, tweets that people were, you know, either either praising it or trashing it, but it was just that that an album would would cause that sort of thing to happen from a band like Arctic Monkeys, who aren't necessarily like uh, in line or as as uh, uh, mainstream in in at least in America as artists like Katy Perry, for instance. That that uh, it would it, that there was enough um, furor and excitement over over something to. Um, um, to cause, you know, Twitter to put together this, this sort of, uh, yeah. um, slideshow of, of tweets of people either praising it or trashing it was, <laughs> was just exciting to see. And I think, uh, you know, again, I go back to, we live in a time when, when, uh, you know, one album comes right out after the other, it seems like, uh, especially in hip hop where it's dominating the pop charts that, uh, it's like one hip hop dominates until the, the, the next person's album comes out and that, that dominates, you know, at number one is like, they just kind of, take take turns like hitting that number one slot week in right. and week out uh but um and and you know the, and those albums seem to ultimately uh land uh, at least in the top five you know if it's the new migos or if it's um the new future album um you know but uh but with something like a, a rock album causing that much um discussion is is exciting to see in 2018 for sure yeah. nothing against those hip-hop guys yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what I what, so I mean I think I'll go with then um, an album that I know we both agree on, which is the Super Chunk album. What a time to be alive! Yes, yes. you know I 
I've been, uh, I'm not say a huge fan of Supertrunk, but I've, I've been a fan. I find that they have their moments where I, I really like them. And I just thought that What a Time to Be Alive really kind of showcases Superchunk like at their best. They, when they have um, something specific to direct their ire towards, I find that they have this like, um, they, they're just so like raw and, you know, have a, a fury about them. And I think with What a Time to Be Alive, there's a lot of anger, but like somehow it's also a very like positive and kind of upbeat album, which I think is sort of, you know, unique. I think that there's been a lot of Trumpian era albums now that have been um, just angry and bleak and, you know, um, a lot of kind of like almost doomsday-esque kind of albums. And then this one, for some reason, is just... It's, you know, a more upbeat take on, um, you know, the ire that you can have with, you know, America's current political situation. For sure. I think you're absolutely right on all points. And I do, I do enjoy this, this new Super Junk album. Um, and I think you're absolutely right. I think John Lydon, uh, a.k.a. Johnny Rotten, said it best mm-hmm. when he said, uh, anger is an energy. And I think Super Junk, and here's a band made up of folks and their, their I'm guessing, mid to late forties, uh, if not older, um, you know, basically focusing all their, their emotions and energy into this, into this record and putting out something so strong and so great. And not only, um, again, uh, as you'd mentioned, uh, you know, I, I don't know how to put this, um, but uh, you know, taking taking what's happening in the, in the America's current political state into consideration, but but turning it into something energetic and motivation motivating and and even at times fun for sure. I think that that title track is the chorus is is so catchy and so much fun. And uh, for eleven albums in to put this album out, it still sta- sound as strong and energetic and uh, determined as this band does. And Mac McCaughey's voice is obviously fantastic. Um, it's just, it's just a great, great thing. And you, you, you can see they're in it for the long haul, and uh, and they, they, they put out something really noteworthy for sure. I've at least listened to every Super Chunk album, you know, uh, some more than others, obviously. But I mean, to my ear, I, it might take a little bit longer, but I think this might be their best album, honestly. Um, wow. Yeah, and so exactly to have it coming out like this far into their careers and to still kind of have this, you know, um, verve about them, I think is, is really impressive. For sure. That's, that's a, that's a word I'd use for sure. Impressive. Yeah. It'll be interesting to see what they do next for sure. Yeah. I mean, and they, I mean, they're typically a band that can kind of go a little way, a little time in between albums, especially because, you know, um, I mean, they also, the main two people, you know, Mac and Laura Balance both, you know, run Merge Records. So they, you know, they have plenty of other things to kind of do. So I will be interested if, you know, under this uh, presidency, if they, um, you know, find enough uh, fodder to kind of fuel another one of these, you know, more like raw and focused albums. Sure. Absolutely. Um, All right. So what's your last one? Oh, the last one uh, that I, I, I really love this album and I, I, I wasn't surprised to, to find out it was, it was as uh, great as it was if, if only because I'd loved this band's single 
last year when I'd heard it, but it's Middle Kids' album Lost Friends. And uh, this is a trio, um, I believe from Sydney. I know they're Australian. And uh, they've, it's, I think it's a husband and wife duo playing um, guitar and, and, and bass, I'm pretty sure. I, th I think the husband plays bass. Uh, but uh, a female lead singer, I, I can't think of her name offhand. But uh, the songs on this album and this album in general was, were great. And I think the, um, the single was called Edge of Town. And that's, that's how I'd heard them. I heard them on Conan. Uh, and I just, you know, anytime I see a band's name uh, tagged onto a description of a, a late night talk show that I don't, that I've never heard, I'll, I'll at least give it a shot and, you know, and listen to the, to the band. And uh, with Middle Kids, I, I, I liked it so much. I think I, I watched their performance on Conan twice before um, then going on to their Bandcamp page and listening to the rest of their music. And when Lost Friends came out, I'm, I'm so glad you, you, you sent this one to me, Adam, because I really ended up enjoying this Middle Kids album a lot. I think, I think Australia in particular right now, and I know I talked about this in the review, they've got a great music scene happening. And I, I don't know how many folks, you know, I, I, I'd say folks of indie rock and or indie pop in the States are, are, are really paying attention, but I think they, they should definitely be. Um, there, there are some great, great bands coming out of uh, Australia right now, and middle kids are, are definitely up there for me. Yeah, and I mean, I think I might have told you this, but uh, before you had introduced me to the... Um to their single from last year that ended up on our, you know, 50 best uh, tracks from 2017. I had never heard them before and they really weren't on my radar, but uh, was, was Edge of Town? Is that the song? Yes, right? Edge of Town, yes. Yeah, I mean, that song um, ended up being something that I played a lot and, um, you know, so much that even my girlfriend ended up really liking it. And then, um, you know, I've kind of gone, I've listened to this album, and yeah, I mean, I think there's a lot to like on this album. I think that some of the songs I find sound um, a lot like that first single, and so, like, uh, you know, which, I mean, I guess if you find a formula that's really good, you, you know, you can kind of duplicate it, but that's the only real slight to me, is that some of the songs, I think, sound kind of similar, but... Um, but I think that they, yeah, they definitely show a lot of promise as a, as songwriters. And um, I think that, you know, they should be a good band to be um, watching for years to come, hopefully. For sure. For sure. Absolutely. All right. So for my last one, I've actually deviated from the list that I sent you originally. So... <laughs> Um, I'm going to throw this one at you and I, I bet you haven't listened to it because I went online, uh, yesterday actually to kind of look for reviews for it and I could only find one online. Um, and I keep meaning to write it up and hopefully maybe, you know, having a little bit of a conversation about it will spur me to, but it's this band called Warm Thoughts and the album is I Went Swimming Alone. You may have noticed for our best of 2018 um, playlist that we have, I did put the song Sunbleached and Yellowed on there. Um, so what the band is, it's the solo project of uh, Touche Amore's drummer, Elliot Babin. And uh, with this album, he records all of the instruments on it. And, you know, it's... they Their Facebook page, I think, describes them as bummer punk um which essentially means kind of they fall in line with the emo revival and i mean obviously in high school 
uh, early college, I was a big emo fan. But, you know, now I find it kind of hard to listen to a lot of bands that get thrown into the emo revival category. I find it, you know, kind of um, maybe a little bit too, I don't know, just just ham-handed approaches at, you know, describing, you know, loss or love or whatever. But I kind of, I just found that this Warm Thoughts album is just, it's very well written. And there's um, Sun Bleached in Yellow, the song uh, kind of turned me onto them, is um, it's this song that's written, you don't realize it until about halfway through, but it's written from the perspective of a bike. And essentially what he's saying is, you know, um, is it was, he was someone's bike who they, uh, who they traded into the pawn shop. And he's saying, you know, don't don't let me sit in a pawn shop window, sun bleached and yellowed. And so it's a it's an interesting take on kind of this like, you know, a uh, an idea of loneliness to kind of um, you know, animate a bike to sing it. And then I mean there's some more like more, you know, standardy um kind of emo fare, but then there's another song on it which is called The Pier. And that's kind of the other song that really stood out to me. And I think since moving to L.A., um, you know, late last year, um, I find a lot of music that comes from L.A., like, I find it more appealing now that I understand the culture here and kind of understand, you know, um, landmarks and stuff. And the pier, although I don't know exactly which pier it's referring to, there's a ton in California, obviously, but, you know, he talks about how um, he lost his virginity on this beach. And then he's talking to someone who, like, glorifies the beach. And he, um, and in the song, he talks about how, like, how can you, um, like, glorify the beach and spend time here every week. And then he talks about how there have been, like, hypodermic needles found at this beach and that there were, um, like, homophobic slur graffiti um, on some piece of public property that, you know, no one's bothered to like buffer out yet. And it's just a, it's a really interesting take on a song that like he, he describes the surroundings of this like so vividly. And, you know, having been to a few peers now at this point, I'm, you know, it's just, it's, it's like such an obvious thing. Like, of course, like this could be like any one of these like beach side places, not even in California, but just anywhere. And, you know, for me, someone who um, I'm not the biggest beach fan, um, I really kind of uh, I really kind of gravitated towards that song just because it, it I don't know, it just sums up a lot of like kind of. Uh, when my friends are like, let's go to the beach and spend, you know, a few hours there, I'm kind of like maybe like a half hour there. Like, that'd be nice, you know. <laughs> <laughs> so I mean in so this album I mean I I don't expect you to have like a hot take on it but I would say maybe you want to check it out because I think that the writing on it is really um fresh for a genre that I mean you know being in my 30s I um largely think I've outgrown and this is the first um you know quote unquote emo album I'll I'll call it an emo album is the first one that's really made me think like like, wow, this genre really does still have a lot to offer. Excellent. Excellent. Well, I, I did write it down, and I will check it out. Right. And are, so are there any um, other albums that you kind of want to give an honorable mention to before we oh, uh, yeah. end this? For sure. For sure. I want to I mention Chemtrails. 
um, their album Calf of the Sacred Cow. I think it's I, I think it's outstanding. I think it's great. And while it didn't it didn't make my list, uh, I uh, I still really am enjoying that album, and I I feel like that band. Uh, the band's got a lot to offer coming uh, coming down the pipe for sure in the years to come. And I, I should I should also mention where I'd heard that band initially is uh, WFMU, a DJ named Erwin Chusid, who has been like a mainstay. He's been there for years and years and years. Um, consistently plays um, new music, is always looking for new things, and and he uh, he came across Chemtrails and started playing them on his show, and that's how I was hip to them. Mm-hmm. And uh, I appreciate again, Adam. I appreciate you getting me. Uh, their album to review as I really enjoyed it and it uh, obviously uh, sparked not only uh, my review but uh, an interview uh, yeah. with with uh, one of the band members in order and hopefully bring them more deserved attention in my opinion I think that they uh, they're very good and so before we close let me give you um, a little chance here to kind of uh, plug all of your projects because in addition to you know obviously writing for surviving the golden age you you do do a fair amount of other things as well so um, what what's out there that you want to plug right now oh uh, well I, I, I'd like to plug my uh, my books first and foremost uh, I'm a self-published novelist and you can find my books on uh, online um, on Amazon, uh, I know you can find them all. My name is uh, Andy Mascola. That's M-A-S-C-O-L-A. Uh, I also have a podcast that I started on January first of this year called "People Are the Enemy," and that can and where I do interviews and I have uh, uh, some silly moments. Um, and you can find that on Apple Podcasts or iTunes or whatever the hell they're calling it today, and uh, on Spotify and. Uh, and uh, yeah, and and uh, I'm the senior writer for uh, Surviving the Golden Age, something I'm very <laughs> proud of, and this is uh, it is something I look forward to to continuing. It's offered me uh, a lot of great opportunities uh, over the years to to uh, speak with individuals who I admire and uh, get a chance to hear some great music. And uh, and thank you very much, Adam Morgan, for the opportunity. It's, uh, it, it, I appreciate it. And thank you to Andy Mascola for being our guest today and thank you all for listening uh this has been another episode of surviving the golden age the podcast and hopefully you found some new albums to check out and uh, maybe some of the albums that we discussed today will become uh, your favorite albums of the year so be sure to stay tuned subscribe on itunes podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts uh to hear the latest episodes of surviving the golden age podcast until next time 